Hey there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Samira Stalks. This is a podcast about the dreamers out there and their stories of entrepreneurship. So if you're curious, creative, and you're ready to make an impact on this world, then this is for you. Welcome to episode 19 with me, your host, Samira Sohail. Welcome aboard if you're new and for those who keep coming back. And thanks for the messages and tweets too to let me know you're enjoying these. We were featured in Marie Claire this week, which was very exciting. If you're anything like me, I have an over-dependency on canvas tote bags for everyday errands. Whether it's Topshop, Tesco or the local bookstore, every retailer now has one. And I'm joined by the pioneer behind them in this episode, Smriti Sriram. She's the CEO of Supreme Creations, the world's largest ethical manufacturer of reusable bags, with 50,000 clients across Europe. We delve into how she managed to turn these bags into her fashion statement, what working in a family business is like, and how she is encouraging enterprise at a grassroots level through her Wings of Hope initiative for secondary school students. Enjoy! We all use tote bags, in fact they've become somewhat of a fashion icon in and of their own right these days. But not only is Supreme Creations the world's largest ethical manufacturer of reusable bags and eco-friendly packaging, but my guest here today, Smriti Sriram, was the pioneer behind shifting perceptions on them being a drag, library and food grocery bag to this must-have. Having grown up in London, studying PPE at Oxford, to then take the reins of her father's business, she's the pioneer behind rebranding the tote bag. On top of this, she's also set up the Wings of Hope initiative, an enterprise education program for students. What's more, she's done all of this under the age of 30. So welcome to the show, Smriti. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Samira, for having me. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So I grew up in northwest London. Uh, My parents are Indian, and they came over when they were in their sort of late 20s. Um, Right now, I I help my dad run a, a company called Supreme Creations. In your own words, tell listeners what Supreme Creations is. My father set up a business um, which um, involves manufacturing fabric items, um, printing them, stitching them together, and it's evolved to be a business which is a a packaging one, um, uh, an eco-packaging one. So we manufacture reusable bags out of cotton, out of jute, and various different biodegradable fabrics for retailers such as Tesco and Topshop, um, uh, Nike, um, and brands who want to promote their businesses in, a, in an eco-friendly yet powerfully designed and desirable way. And I want you to take us back to your graduate days. So you've just graduated from potentially one of the most prestigious courses, philosophy, politics, and economics at Oxford. And I imagine your peer group are joining some of the top firms, whether those banks or going onto political tracks, management consultants, doctors and whatnot. And you decided to join your father's business. How did you feel at that time? Um, It was quite a scary time because going to university where you've got really high achieving people, um, uh, going into city jobs, which I had explored um, and thought about, and then deciding to perhaps learn from someone who's so close to you about how to run a, a small and medium-sized business. That was a bit of a leap of faith. I didn't expect to be at the business for more than a few months. Um, and now eight years later, I'm still there and helping him uh, run his business. Um, but it was a leap of faith. I did have to dig deep and question 
if I was making the right move. But I had such amazing, apolitical, um, just amazing advice from my family and from my from my dad about how to run a business that I couldn't miss that opportunity. I understand there's a very conscious and ethical bent and side to your business. Um, you know, anyone who is trying to do what I call a conscious business at some point gets to an intersection where you either, I guess, have to prioritise cost over mission or intent. Mm. And in 2008, in the depth of the financial crash, you managed really to persuade fashion houses and consumer brands to use such bags even if they were more expensive Mm. uh, than their current options Mm. so can you talk to us about that period and yeah your journey at supreme creations translating Mm. that sure um it was difficult um to uh work with brands and convince them of the sort of the roi on what they were on what they were spending on so um, but actually, it became a bit of a no-brainer once you looked at the blank canvas and the possibilities that brands like Topshop and the British Fashion Council and London Fashion Week could use to communicate whether it's um, a, a new store launch or a new brand launch for them, and using a canvas bag to print their message, which then had such a high reuse value. You know, you can reuse some of these bags up to five thousand times, which is up to about four five years. Um, from a marketing spend, it's a bit of a no-brainer. So, yes, you are spending more. I had to convince people to spend slightly more on the product than they would have thought normally. But actually, the investment was a very, very sensible one and actually a very commercially wise one. In terms of getting their brands out there and then becoming, a, I guess, a fashion statement in their own right. Yeah, they're a fashion statement in their own right. And um, young girls would sort of queue up around Topshop late at night for student evenings. And the one thing that they'd want to leave with was a tote bag. And they'd, you know, they that <laughs> to was... To show the, that they'd been. To show that they'd been. It was their mark, their signature, that they'd been to that special event. Um, and they were part of a crowd. Um, but the great thing is that the bag is eco-friendly. You'll use it in a multi-purpose way, whether it's carrying your shopping or going to the gym or going to the library or You're going on holiday. A couple now. I am sporting <laughs> a couple now. I've been on a few missions and I've got my my favourite don't be boring bag with me um, because they're so handy and everyone needs a bag. So it's about making sure that it becomes a rather desirable item. And how how was I guess take us back to that first experience of. You know, how did you even get in front of Topshop? You know, how did you get in front of the labels that you are representing today? Well, I think, you know, there's no harm in picking up the phone and trying to find the right appropriate person. And you have to have... I had, when I was, you know, uh, 21 or 22 when I started at Supreme, I really wanted to work with fashion brands, not because I'm a particularly fashionable person, but because... That's those were the sort of retailers that were in my line of vision, and so I knew of Topshop, I knew of River Island. I really wanted to work with brands like Selfridges because they have a premium value attached. Um, and you just phone up Switchboard and you try and speak to various different people, <laughs> and you you hustle, um, and then you send in samples, you come up with creative ideas, you communicate to the right people, and of course you'll get knockbacks. Of course you'll be sort of turned away but through perseverance and through being agile and changing your strategy and being creative can get you quite far 
And once you've got a few clients who are quite prestigious under your belt, it then becomes a lot easier because you've got a very good reference point. So, you know, now that I can convincingly say that we work with the British Fashion Council, it's no mean feat, but it means that the next client that we get has that level of confidence, so it's not as hard. Yeah. Um, And can you talk to us uh, more then about the factory in Pondicherry, is it? Yeah. And actually how the bags are made and... Mm -hmm. I suppose how the the east-west relationship has been and some of the work you're doing at that factory. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the factory was built by my father, um, who is South Indian and who wanted to work in a community that spoke Tamil because that was his native language, but also in a district which didn't have much attention, which is Pondicherry, um, which is a coastal town in South India, um, which had it, which is in the sort of textile belt Um, but not in the heart of it. And there he wanted to build, uh, it's an old French colony, Pondicherry. So he built a factory in a very beautiful French colonial style um, and wanted to have women, especially working in the factory, for them to feel proud and for them to feel quite proud that they're learning a new skill and serving um, a community as as leading lights. So really it was his vision. Um, I can't take any credit for it. Um, but what it has meant is that we have a, a brilliant supply base in India, which is a, a great cost center, um, helping a community of people out there to produce these items. And what's the fun? I mean, the funniest things are that you know we're working with some of the best brands in the world, who have sometimes quite, quite quirky messages in their branding, <laughs> and you know a lot of these tailors and printing <laughs> printing chaps and tailoring ladies they don't have a they don't really know where their bags or what this product says or does. So what I'm regularly doing is getting my clients to take photos of their products in action, people using their bags in action, and then we send photos back or presentations back so that the ladies and the gents in the factory can see where on earth yeah. these products are being used because it's important to not only just take their yeah. services but to also say hey you know these are the sorts of places that they're being used in high fashion or at, in a Nike town in Oxford Circus or um, you know at brand openings where you've got celebrities around or, or, or just by local school children or by local libraries you know we, we work with so many different types of clients that it's nice yeah. for um, the factories in India to see the, the people at the factory in India to, to see this um, the east west divide has been quite interesting uh, first you have a time difference <laughs> you know um, so working with uh, a factory four or five hours ahead actually can be quite a benefit because a lot gets done before you arrive and so you can have weekly uh, sorry more uh, daily morning calls about the status of production um, pricing on uh, logistics any issues that may have occurred um, second uh, in terms of the east-west is the distance you know um, there is a cultural Mm. Different, so understanding niche design ideas that a brand in Soho may have, and communicating that to India, we've had to develop very um, easy methods of communicating and for allowing the customers to communicate directly with the factory using online technology um, to solve any communication issues. Um, third is the cost base, um, yeah. which is a very attractive one in India. 
but it means that um, you are prone to currency fluctuations yeah. um, and you're, you're, you're prone to uh, political. Uh, political factors, you know, customs breaking down or having a strike or <laughs> shipments not catching the flight when they're meant to because of various different re- reasons. You know, you don't have as, uh, even though we own the supply chain yeah. end to end. You don't own all the... You don't, you don't own, you can't own the customs <laughs> officer at Chennai <laughs> Airport. So, yeah. Business people will face, I think, a lot in terms of ethical decisions they yeah. want to make. So, for example, you know, some of the brands that you work with yeah. might have quite smudged records, for example, on their working practices. Mm. And you as a company and as an individual, how do you square still working with them, if that makes sense? Well, I I mean, I try and take quite a balanced view on things. I think that it's very difficult to assess companies based on what you may read in the media. That's fair. Um, And I think when companies have uh, blemished records, um, they eventually do come out in the open. And... You know, despite organisations like Primark having been associated with factories which collapse in Bangladesh, they their ethical standards um, in terms of assessment are pretty stringent. Um, whether I believe that the pricing um, um, mechanisms that they charge and the and the consumption that they fuel at such a cheap price is is right or not, I, I don't know. But how do I square that when I work with clients? I mean, we. T- try not to make too many judgments about the clients that we work with generally clients will scrutinize their suppliers and monitor our supply chain um, but we wouldn't work on campaigns which um, were politically insensitive or where we outwardly knew that the that the organizations were in inverted commas unethical but I think it's very difficult to assess and yeah. I think you can't I mean I always hesitate when we say that we are we are an eth- we are proud to be an ethically audited factory um, and supply chain but there are gradients and you can't yeah you can't, it's not black and white it's not black and white and I don't think you can preach very hard because you can always strive to do better yeah um, and brands shouldn't be nervous about saying that there are ways to improve themselves but should shout about uh, the, the amazing things that they do and you know Marks and Spencer have been a, a great leading light in their plan a mission encouraging um, their vehicles to be more carbon efficient, encouraging shoppers to swap their clothes um, and give them to, uh, to, to Oxfam and UNICEF. Um, you have big corporate organisations which do have great missions as well as smaller organisations yeah. which have great missions. So, yeah. That's fair. Um, so I want to move on to what I call women Womenpreneurs. Um, oh, yeah. So this this season features a lot of womenpreneurs, and you okay. regularly actually feature in uh, top thirty five, under thirty five, and a couple of other lists. So congratulations. Um, I guess is it something like you feel necessarily strongly about, like the lack of potentially like women leaders in the field, and generally like how, what are your views? Like why do you think there are fewer women entrepreneurs and is, is that something you've noticed and yeah I don't know if I've no- noticed it I think there's actually with the ascent of the internet and what, and it's still ascending it's allowed a lot more flexible work and therefore there are a lot more women um, who are womenpreneurs um, I was at I was really lucky to be at a business award of event a, a couple of weeks ago where 
um, uh, women were celebrated as leading entrepreneurs and and so I think there's always an opportunity to get more women involved but I don't really believe in in man bashing yeah, um, no, and and um, I think that it's important to encourage a lot of women to take the plunge but maybe they don't want to and maybe um, it, the timing in their lives doesn't allow for it but would I encourage women to do it yes do I think women have a natural skill set um, to take on leadership roles yes are they compassionate collaborative um, multitasking operators in general yes um, I just think that an entrepreneur and the skill set of an entrepreneur is pretty unique you need to have a level of risk taking uh, as uh, in, in, ingrained in you. You need to have a can-do attitude. You have to have a high level of resilience. You need to be able to sell. You need to be able to uh, work with people, collaborate with people. Um, and you need to, which, which is very prone in terms of women's skill sets. So I hope that women don't ever feel that they can't become entrepreneurs. Yeah. But I don't know if um, if uh, if I if I know how to to encourage more women to do it other than to tell one story. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing yours. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, okay, I want to turn to what I call your biggest mistake. Oh so yeah. Can you take oh, us gosh, to? So can you take us to a wrong turn? Supreme Creations oh. has taken, and. Yeah, just talk us through that time and in general, like your approach, I guess, to failure. Well, I, I mean, that's it's quite those are lots of different questions. And I think it's difficult to know how to answer them. Have I made mistakes? Yes. Do I still make mistakes? Yes. Am I phased by mistakes? No. Do I think that they're an opportunity to learn? Yes. Do you would I encourage repeating mistakes? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I remember take, on, take, yeah. on a very small level, um, I was working with one of my clients and uh, I thought I had written an email in a very sort of um, uh, very nice manner. I was trying to be quite helpful. It was completely misconstrued and I was struck off as a supplier for a, a couple <laughs> of a couple of you know months and I had to deeply apologize to one of the heads heads of buying and um, who is a particular personality type, but I, I learned the importance of communication, especially written communication, yeah. and the power of it being circulated and, 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 and how difficult that can be. Um, as far as Supremes made mistakes, I mean, there are constant mistakes being made and constant um, wins happening. I think that's the nature of business. Business is scrappy, whether it's at a, a, a small uh, a one-man band versus like a, a, a massive corporation um, we see massive blunders happening in the media <laughs> all the time and uh, has there ever been ever been a point where you just thought I just can't I need to walk away from this you know walk away from what a project or well like supreme creations as well yeah I mean I think what I'm learning is that every you know tomorrow is a new day yeah and so if you have a massive issue and it sort of circulates in your mind and you you have a sleepless night in the morning you've lived another day and hopefully something good will happen um so there are points where it's extremely strenuous and you think how much more can go wrong yeah but you just have to keep believing that you can 
win. And I, you know, a couple, a couple, almost three years ago, my dad um, was in a, a road accident, um, and it was a pretty interesting and tough time in the business. Lots of lots of sort of things were happening at the same time. And I had to step up really and take the opportunity to fill this void for a few months, which was a big strain. And there were times where I just wanted to give up, but I also felt, gosh, I am responsible not only for people I employ in the UK, but for so many people in in India mm. that I can't. So as much as if you want to walk away from something, I think you your conscience always plays up at a point. Yeah, and it's not it's uh, you just have no choice. And in adversity, you come up with innovative ideas of being agile and um, and in reinventing yourself. And I think you have to thank those opportunities as well as curse them. Yeah. And so there are two schools of thought, really, on kind of, I guess, mixing, I wouldn't say business, well, business and pleasure, but like also oh, work. business and family. Yeah, yeah business yeah. and family. Yeah. I mean, how, how has that been? I mean, you know, it's not easy but it's also amazing yeah. because there's a huge level of trust okay um, and there is no there are no po- there's no politics yeah. in that um, one upmanship there's or, exactly there's yeah. no sense of one upmanship or feeling overshadowed because you're in it together um, and i think what we've done fairly successfully is we've compartmentalized you know uh, um, our our roles i am one of the various business advisors in the business and my opinion counts from a business point of view yeah um have i always had my way um uh, overridden by anyone else no have has it almost been the other way yes you know where actively i cannot be seen to be having my views promoted any better than anyone else's um it's an a, a very interesting relationship my father and i um that it's there is a lot of symbiosis in that we feed off each other's energy levels um and sometimes i hold him back in terms of you know pull the reins on some overexcitement but very much it's normally the other way around so he sort of says you know i've got 40 years of experience let's not try and do it this way let's not be over ambitious sort of curtail some of your expectations but my young fever is is good for the business yeah so so I think there are positives to it it is a dangerous business I don't think I would encourage a lot of people to go into business with their partners or with family unless you have a very very clear understanding that business is business and family is family yeah that's that's fair and it's it's great that in a way you're both so mature that you can do that Mm. you know so as well as uh, your work with Supreme Creations, you also um, have the Wings of Hope mm. initiative mm. Uh, around entrepreneurship. What, uh, well, can you talk a little bit about what that is? And yeah. I guess really specifically about some of the ideas that the kids have come up with that have just blown you away. So Wings of Hope um, is a children's charity which um, is UK based um, and, and the aim is to empower through education. So what does that actually mean? It's based on um, British school students fundraising in an innovative way um, to fundraise for children in India and Malawi who may be um, underprivileged, they may be orphaned. And what we encourage the British students to do is to learn skills outside of the classroom. 
and to challenge themselves in situations that they would never have been in, which fundraising is. Fundraising is a tough old game. And the students are tasked over five or six months to come up um, with four or five or one single big event in which they display organizational skills or teamwork, leadership, communication. So what does this actually mean? I mean, we've had teams of students, over 30,000 students um, over the past 10 years have, have, have taken part in this program. Um, and we've had everyone uh, from students swimming the length of the channel <laughs> in their swimming pool to letting off hundreds of balloons and, and um, doing bake-offs, doing... Uh, this year we've had lots of students going vegan for a week and not using electricity and thinking about how they, their counterparts in India or Malawi would be surviving. So not having electricity for 24 hours, um, fasting. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's what it does is it, it plants a seed in students' minds about philanthropy and the importance of helping other people and just starting that that journey for students to realize that they can do something things yeah. do go wrong but it's always worth trying yeah mm. um right so this is called Samira Storks oh yeah it's sure so you're stalking yeah but okay. I'm gonna ask you that so oh, yeah. basically yeah. I want you to kind of Tell me, yeah, maybe some of the people, or you, talk, you talked earlier actually about yeah. some of the brands and calling up the switchboard, but can you tell us yeah. a story about, yeah, maybe how you tried to stalk someone and, oh, or, yeah. or, or the, the supplier time. or whoever it was and how it went? Well, I, um, in terms of <laughs> stalking, it's, I, 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 I think I'm a bit of a glass half full person, so I'll often observe people and what. I really respect about them. So I've, you know, currently been doing some work um, with a few retailers, and one chief exec um, I've been working with has a huge can-do attitude. Um, and what I've learned is that he gets in the mix at whatever level and doesn't have any ego about getting involved in meetings because he, you know, there's a there's a business philosophy of walking the shop floor, okay, uh, or walking the factory floor, where only if the CEO or the top management get involved and observe at the bottom level can you really solve business problems. So I really like um, stalking him. Uh, <laughs> can you give us a name? Or Yeah, his name is Mark Newton-Jones. Um, he used to be chief exec of Next. Um, okay. He's the current chief exec at Next and then he was at Shop Direct and he's um, currently the chief exec of Mothercare and... Um, and is on the board of, of various different online retailers. Another lady um, who I find quite admirable is Scylla Snowball, who's the group chair of AMV BBDO. Um, who are they? Um, uh, one of the largest advertising agencies in the world. Um, okay. They do work for Pepsi and um, uh, I can't remember any of the other brands that they but work that with. Pepsi's but pretty Pepsi, good going. Pepsi's a big, big brand. Anyway, she is a wonderful woman um, who I met through Management Today um, on a women forum. And she's got four children, um, is extremely down to earth, but is, you know, working with the government on getting 30% of women on board. Um, she works with a big charity called Comic Relief. 
um, she she constantly promotes um, social enterprise and, and women in business but is exceptionally humble and very unassuming and very understated and I really admire her for that for those qualities because I think if you are known as one of the most powerful 100 women in the UK etc etc it can often get to your head but the more I'm exposed to very influential people which I've been very lucky to be um, is that I realized to be at the top you have to have a huge amount of humility otherwise you won't ever get there so yeah. I've she's another person I've stalked <laughs> <laughs> good they mm. sound like good people to be doing that mm. um, can you tell us about what you think like your reckless dream is well, I, I believe that it's important to give things a go. Okay. And I think it's important to get kids to give things a go and not constrain them um, to, or, 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 or too much and be, make atmospheres too safe. I am quite anti-health okay. and safety. I think we, you know, there's this sort of cotton wooling culture. Not to say that I haven't been brought up in a way that I've possibly been wrapped up in cotton wool, but I think exposure to the elements yeah. is important, and 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 hopefully through good parenting and good th- through good social connections, students should be allowed to try and fundraise on a street and you yeah. know, start bag packing in supermarkets or trying to row from Oxford to Putney. Which and I'm yeah. giving examples of things that children from Wings of Hope have done, and how much it's keeps them in great stead for their future lives because they know that they can try out something do it and do it well and even if they don't do it well um you know we we gather around an influential panel of people to hear presentations by these students and if the influential panel say well done and give them a pat on the back they'll always have that for the rest of their lives so my reckless team for empowering through enterprises you have to give it a go great um okay so we're in the quick fire round which means oh God, don't yes, think well it just means I'm just going to ask you a bunch that's of what I've been I've not been thinking about what I've been saying <laughs> <laughs> okay so the first one is what would you say your top three values are generosity hard work and being part of a society so giving back to society great um, which or what fictional character do you remind yourself of? Oh my god. Or would you like to be? You know, I'm a terrible person of fiction, but I love Mary Poppins. Okay. <laughs> uh, what tea do you drink? I don't drink tea, but I drink hot water with a slice of orange. Oh, okay. Not lemon? No, because it's, um, it's not as bitter as lemon. Okay. It's my little quirk. Okay. <laughs> and what... What song or jam are you listening to at the moment? Oh, that's that's a really great question. I love, I love, um, what do I love at the moment? I have on repeat MK and, um, what's her name? Just one second. And Becky Hill. Cool. MK and Becky, Becky Hill, Peace of Me. MK is um, a German DJ called Mark Knight. Um, and he's been around for, for ages and he's... Um, been behind many many successful tracks but now he's sort of coming to the fore and I'm a great fan. Cool and I guess lastly what are your smoothieisms or smurfisms? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what parting advice I guess would you give to anyone out there looking to either make an impact or be an entrepreneur and yeah make a positive social difference? Um, so 
what so smithyisms i think i don't like following the status quo so i've discovered that i have a bit of a life motto which i now keep reeling out called don't be boring okay it says it on your bag it says it on my bag i stuck it on a bag because i believe in it um uh i think why be boring if you if you have a creative mind and you can add some value add some creativity and that doesn't mean you can't always not be safe but just put your stamp on something thanks for tuning in and do let me know what you think you can find me at samira stalks on facebook twitter and instagram if you enjoyed this episode you may also enjoy episode 13 with another girl boss leah rodriguez she's manufacturing designer coats in cambodia and distributing them in europe join me next time toodles <laughs>